If you are listening to this podcast, it means you're searching, searching for someone who understands you, someone who gets you. You are yearning to be understood and to belong. Welcome to the Someone Gets Me podcast, where we help smart, talented, and sensitive people navigate an often insensitive world. I am Diane Allen, your host. My roles as ambassador, author, speaker, and intuitive mentor for bright and talented people are woven into each episode. I have the experience and knowledge to educate and inspire as I have been there and I understand your unique intensities, sensitivities, and challenges. Welcome. Call to Arms, Establishing and Maintaining Belonging. My friends, and welcome to Someone Gets Me. This episode comes as a result of a conversation with one of my listeners about the sense of belonging, about the call to arms, arms meaning hugs and connection versus arms meaning war. So I want to talk today about the struggles that a lot of people have of feeling connected to others and that existential loneliness. I know for myself as an intensely sensitive, um, gifted person, I've had this struggle at many junctures in my life um, from the time I was very little up through now, even at times. So loneliness is when we feel disconnected. Loneliness at its core is a spiritual issue where we are not connected to our essence, our purpose, why we're here sucking air on earth. It's completely independent of religious choice. And so when we're disconnected from that, or we're unaware of it, or we're not paying attention to it, then we can have this sense of kind of existential aloneness or loneliness. In fact, in my book, The Loneliness Cure, I speak about this and a strategy to um, help you not feel lonely. So that, that book could be helpful if you're having loneliness. But I want to talk about belonging, which goes with loneliness, which goes with the cure for loneliness, but it also is so vital to all of us. That's particularly vital to gifted and profoundly gifted people because we make up such a small percentage of the population. But what I've been noticing over the last decade or more is the sense of belonging and connection have been declining more and more and more. And over COVID, it really hit. And we're still trying to come out of it. And I think there's a lot of people who underestimate or ignoring or in denial about the power of belonging, or maybe they just feel helpless or powerless. Like, I know I need a sense of belonging. I know I need to be connected, yet they do nothing about it because they're not sure where to turn. So I'm hoping that this episode We'll take care of some of those questions, give you some hope, show you some direction, and that kind of thing. When you have a good sense of belonging and you're connected to other people, it increases your lifespan. It also decreases depression and anxiety. So there is a payoff for establishing and maintaining a sense of belonging to a group, a community that serves you, and that is looking out for your best interest. So belonging to a group that is hostile or angry or negative or or in some way demeaning to you or demeaning to anybody is not what I'm talking about. That's That takes away from your lifespan. That adds to your depression and anxiety. 
So if we look at what is belonging, what like what it what am I talking about? I'm talking about the feeling of security and support. Security and support. Acceptance. Being included in the group and your identity can go with the group. So it's the security and the support. In some groups, they look like they're giving you the security and you can identify with the group, maybe even on the outside, or maybe you identify emotionally or mentally. And at any kind of change with yourself or others, you get ostracized, thrown out, and not supported when you're going through difficulty. So that's not belonging. You never did belong if you're not supported through difficulty and also supported in your success and your joy. So true belonging is security and support. And I see in the world right now, today, in 2023, so many people who think they belong to groups who would drop them in a minute if they needed or wanted something. They'll take from you all day long, yet they will not support you. So it's very important. Now, personally, in my life, many times over my lifetime, it hasn't happened recently, but I remember a lot of this in my 20s and 30s, where because I'm very intelligent and I'm very strong and I have a lot of ability, if I have a moment where I'm having what I would call a tolerance break, where I'm crying or I'm upset or I'm confused, because all humans have those times, I can remember very vividly all of my friends just distancing themselves from me and me being left alone, like literally totally 100% alone, no family, no friends. And then I would make it through somehow this, whatever the challenge was, I don't even remember any of them really now because I've grown through it. But I remember this awful sense of existential loneliness, but also personal loneliness. I was not supported. And so therefore, any sense of security or connection was gone. And then, you know, a few weeks later, three, four weeks later, after whatever this problem was, um, a few people would start calling me again. And I would hear the, the exact comment of, are you done with that now? Is everything safe? Can I talk to you now? And what I learned over time was people don't know how to help people with their emotions. And so if you're intensely sensitive and you have an emotion, a lot of people don't know how to support it or don't want to support you. They And because they don't know what to do or say, they just run away, which causes more division and more problem and more challenge. And um, I've even been consulting at, at um, residential treatment centers for addiction, and I've run several of them myself. And one of the big things that I work with the staff on is being willing to sit in the fire with somebody who's really struggling and not necessarily try to fix them, but be that positive presence, that person who's there with them on the ride, knowing that they're going to come out the other side, but so they feel supported in a tangible way that they can look back on. And for many times in my career over the last you know, four decades, I have been, some, in often cases, the very first person in, in an adult person's life that sat with them and was there for them and supported them no matter what was going on. And that's what we need for a sense of belonging. And so neurologically and biologically, our brains co-regulate with other humans, our bodies, our biology regulate with other humans. And so when we're alone or we don't feel connected to other humans, our actual being, our biology and our neurology has nothing to co-regulate with. And so it can really cause us trouble. Um, 
it this belonging that I'm talking about is so crucial to our happiness and and our satisfaction. And you know, I start off all my work with my clients with how satisfied are you? Not how successful are you, but how satisfied are you in 12 major life areas? Because what I notice is our happiness is connected to our sense of satisfaction, not necessarily to our sense of accomplishment or success. We see a lot of people that look all accomplished and success who are depressed and struggling because on some level they feel disconnected and or lonely or they don't belong. I um I talk a lot with my well-known clients. I have some that are, you know, household names and and we talk a lot about that veil that once you begin to get velocity in your career or your life where you become a little bit more known or a little bit more successful, there is a vulnerability to being distanced from or there's this veil that happens or people try to take more advantage of you so you have to be more guarded and so the world shifts when you have some velocity of movement toward your goals because you're now vulnerable you know you win the lottery and everybody all of a sudden is your friend or relative right that's a a, a, a very pedestrian example but i see it a lot i see it a lot and um I remember when I first started even doing this show and when I really, really started doing a lot of talking and speaking in the world, there were people who wanted to um, get on the stage with me to share my audience with me and call me up with, I have this great idea, blah, blah, blah. But then the end of the great idea was, and you can put me in front of your people and then I can sell my things to them. And so we're vulnerable to people wanting to ride our coattails and take advantage of us as gifted, talented people, rather than the people allowing us to invite them in. Because some of these people who tried that strategy, which has happened numerous times, I would have invited into my world. And then there were people who I invited into my world who weren't able to step up into it. So everybody has their own their own place. But to remember that it's security and support. So think about your own life for a minute. Where are you most secure and and supported? So if you had a struggle today or you just needed to vent or talk to somebody, where would that be? And who would that be? And do you have a group outside of your immediate family that also fills that need? What I talk to my gifted people about is having multiple peer groups. So you have like four or five different groups of people where you feel secure and supported for different different things, right? It's important to help you ease existential loneliness. It's important to help you ease angst. It's important for your happiness. It's important for your health and well-being in the long run to stay alive longer if you would like. And it decreases all kinds of emotional and mental and physical stress and challenges in the body. So it's very important. So understand that humans have two great needs. One is to be loved or known, right? Seen for who you really are. And the other is to be heard. And so when we know that our inner being really wants to connect with others and know others and be known by others and to love and be loved and be that love, We want to feel confident that the people around us, at least in our inner circle, can exchange that energy with us, love and be loved and known and be known, where we can be vulnerable and take risks 
and the other people can do the same thing. And we're not going to be um, made fun of or harmed in any way. I mean, many times in my life, I've taken risks with people emotionally and mentally, and I have been um, emotionally abused by it and traumatized by it um, and made fun of. I had a boyfriend one time who said, oh, well, you know, you you look like you're just a spaz attack when you're walking. And it just really cut me down. Um, after, of course, we had been dating for a while. So, of course, that was short lived. But it's like we want to be able to feel safe that if we are goofy or we um, say a joke that nobody gets or, you know, we act in a way that is kind of funny and off a little bit that we're not going to get made fun of or abused for it. I have a lot of clients that have had that with intimate relationships where they take a risk with their sexuality or a risk with their emotions and the person they thought they trusted the most made fun of them. And even making fun of somebody at their expense is a form of trauma. It's not not good for us. And so we want to feel security, which is a form of safety and support. And there's so many people that take it for granted. Now, this does not include texting and it doesn't really include like all video things. It's time that we let ourselves be connected to other humans in a real manner. Yes, we can use video and phone and texting for parts of it. But the truth is our biology and our neurology are meant to be in relation to others of the same um, group. And in large sense, the same species, right? That we are meant to be in connection. So like when we were all shut down in COVID and separated from so many people, it, that created a big uh, rift, if you will, a big challenge within our neurology and our biology, because we, even introverts, need to be connected to others. Because I remember the first time I went out um, to see a friend after we were out, you know, we were able to go out to dinner again. And I was like, whoa, my God, I feel so great. And it was like, I couldn't get enough of it. And I'm 100% introverted. So even introverts have that biological and neurological and emotional and mental need to be connected to others, to be included in the group, to have an identity in the group. So it's not just being the wallflower on the surface or being part of the group because you joined the club, but to be included in it. You know, many times I've had friends of mine send out party invitations and never include me and then and then invite me at the last minute or say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. That's a, not a sign of belonging. That's a sign of, you know, being invited in at the last minute. That's not belonging. Belonging is when you're included. So think about your own life. Who are you including? Who are you offering that sense of belonging to? Because it goes both ways. It's not just about who is doing it with you, but who are you being connected to? Who are you including in your life? Who are you accepting? And are you a safe person for others? I have this little rule that all people should have a safe trip through my consciousness. So there's no landmines and I, I want to be the safest person I can. And, and sometimes that has yielded some great emotional pain and some great disappointment. I've had, you know, experienced a lot of betrayal because I have the belief that I'm going to be accepting and inclusive. And there have been people who've taken advantage of that. And that's still my way of being. Um, so I just set stronger and stronger boundaries as I've gotten older. So here is how belonging works. This is kind of the flow 
that we go through in order to get to belonging. We have first, if we're going to join a new group, we feel welcomed. You know, like people smile or people are nice or the social graces that go with that group um, let you feel welcomed. Then there's this time of knowingness that kind of blends. Like these all blend together. They're not like hard steps, but then there's a time of knowingness. Like somebody might ask you questions about yourself or want you to share a little bit about you and you can go within your own inner boundaries of how much of that there is. And you start to become more and more known by the people in the group and you become to know more and more of the people within the group. So there is this flow and beautiful exchange of information and knowledge and connection so that there's more and more knowingness in whatever arena the the group is. Then we start to feel included. Like we're invited to the events or we're drawn into the conversation, you know, and sometimes introverted people need to be drawn into the conversation some because there's difficulty. Profoundly gifted people sometimes have difficulty with social cues. So it's important if you're in a group and somebody looks like they're struggling a little or they're kind of distance a little rather than judging it as I'm being aloof or judgmental, maybe they're introverted or maybe their social skills need a little honing because they've never been included before. So to be that person in the group that reaches out and includes people and to allow yourself to be included. I've been in many situations where I've attempted to include people and they keep denying the invitation to be included. And often that denial of invitation to be included is rooted in in shame, which is the sense of I'm not worthy and I'm not good enough to be in this group. That's another podcast episode. Um, And then the next kind of phase is about being like supported. Remember I said security and support. So does this group support you? You know, I've been in several entrepreneur groups and yes, they welcomed me and we get to know each other and that's great. And I've been included. But when it came to the support, sometimes what you notice is that it's selective and it's um, based on whatever somebody's agenda is like, yeah, I'll support you if you're going to support me. Well, that's not authentic support. That's an exchange. And a relationship is different than an exchange. Now, that doesn't mean the exchange is bad, but you don't want to say that I'm going to support you if you support me as a means of support within a group. That's not support. That's exchange. Authentic support is when me as the human being or you as the human being or the group as a whole offer that safety net, that support, that listening ear, that guidance, that mentoring that is needed and or desired by a group member or two or however many. But when it comes with a caveat or an exchange or um, uh, an agenda, it's not support. It's an exchange. It's not all bad. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying be clear on what it is. Support means I step in. I offer what I can for whatever the situation is without expectation of reward. That I step in freely and do that. And then when there's something going on with me, somebody in that group will step in and offer whatever it is without expectation of reward. And we actually deliver what we say we're going to deliver. I've had a lot of people who step in and they listen and they can be there for me and they can do whatever they do. And then they disappear. And that still happens today. That's been, that's happened pretty much my whole life. It's like, how can I support you, Diane? You know, you're really gifted. You're this or that. 
And then, and they're well-meaning. I mean, I can remember many times in college and high school and, you know, all through my life where people do that and then they, they don't deliver what they say they're going to deliver or they don't do what they say they're going to do as the follow-up. Are they bad people? No. But that, that support in that particular group does not offer a sense of belonging. That's all. It's not about anyone being good, bad, right, wrong. It's about realizing if you're looking for a sense of belonging and you're in any kind of group, a business group, a social group, a spiritual group, a church group, a family group, any group, and you care about belonging and you feel safe in that group enough to show who you really are, because if you're going to say something that's vulnerable, you choose, you, you know, most people choose pretty carefully who they share it with. Then if the support is offered but not delivered, then you're not totally included in the group yet. Now, that does not mean that anyone's bad. It means be aware of it because that's part of belonging. So many times over my life, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a risk and I'm going to get a little vulnerable. And then many well-meaning people will say, okay, I'm going to help this or I'll do that or whatever, whatever. There's all different scenarios. And it never happens. I believe the person, I trust the person, I calm down or whatever it is, or I get refocused and it never happens. So that means that the inclusion, the support is not quite there. doesn't mean it's not going to be there in the future, but it just means it's not quite there. So be aware of that. Like if you're searching for belonging in an area, because we all need belonging, it's a thing that's vital for our life. And so if, if you repeatedly are not getting that sense of being included or that support and people aren't following through, first look at yourself and say, do you follow through on everything you're supposed to do, right? Like I, I, I will say that to the end of the earth. I made a decision, you know, decades ago. If I tell you I'm going to do something for you, I will do it. I will deliver it no matter what, even if I don't really want to after I say yes, like, okay, I'll do that for you. And then I go, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I will still do it because I believe in delivering what I say I'm going to deliver to the very best of my human ability, right? Not all people do that. And again, there's no judgment. It's just being aware. The more awareness we have, the more we can expand and grow and the more happy we will be and the longer we will live. So assess some of the groups that you're in. Are you offering support? Are you there for them? Um, is it a one-way street? You know, just just notice because there's no wrong. It's just, is it working? Is it serving you? That's the question. And then, of course, um, once the group or the situation, or it could be one other person. It doesn't have to be like a large group. Um, you feel supported by that person or group. Then the kind of the final part of all of it is being connected within it. Being a leader, maybe in the within that system or that group or in that relationship, or feeling really connected to that person. So again, we feel welcome when we first, you know, meet a person or get into the group, and then we are known because we exchange information and we exchange connection, and then we're included. And then most importantly, we feel supported, and we actually are supported when it's important, and then we feel connected. So it's kind of the flow. Now, a lot of times. In our Western culture, the whole idea of supporting other people seems to be um, not stressed as importantly as it is. And that's why this a call to arms is important because humans need hugs, virtual or otherwise. Humans need to know that somebody has their back. 
humans need to know that if um, they get a call, I, I was speaking to a friend recently that I hadn't heard from in a while. And I called just out of nowhere, like you've been on my mind. And, and this person who we've been friends for quite some time was like, yeah, I've had a really, really hard time. And I knew that I wouldn't be very easy to listen to. And if I called you and you said, how are you? I would be, you know, all snappy. And I didn't want to do that. And I really honor that in that person. And I reminded my friend that I don't judge whether somebody's snappy. I'd rather that person call me when they were maybe feeling upset or hurting or snappy, because I can also celebrate their joys with them too. But I can listen to you and be in the fire with you and not judge and not fix and hold you in support so that you can emerge stronger and happier and you don't get stuck. And so I reminded my friend of that, that I can be a friend when, when that person's joyful. So I can also be that listening ear when life is rough, because life can get really rough. And who is there to support you really? And we'll deliver on it. That's the key. It's, you know, talk is cheap. You know, I always say, don't talk about it, be about it. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, it helps us to be more confident in our relationships. And then we can, the more we can be confident in our relationships, the more joy and the more peace we will have in life, no matter what the ups and downs are. And, you know, we are in a turbulent time. I mean, the world's always been turbulent and it seems more in our face now because of the way social media is and things. And so what are we doing? What are we doing to actually really authentically be there for people and support people? In fact, I have a new puppy and Yesterday, I was walking her, and um, one of my neighbors had her dog off the leash and said, oh, the dog's friendly, the dog's friendly. Now, I don't trust any of that much, and and for good reason, because sure enough, within, I don't know, three or four minutes, the dog attacked my puppy on her face, went at her eyes, and it was a little dog, and the dog got away, and the, the mother, took the other owner took care of the dog, but it was scary, and it could have hurt my dog. Fortunately, my dog is not hurt. And that stuff is not okay, right? And so in that example of being in the group of the neighborhood, so to speak, right? That sense of belonging that I had been feeling has been eroded a bit. Then later on that day, another person with a bigger dog, a beautiful golden that I think is least reactive, he kept trying to bring the dog over to my dog. And then next thing I know, this dog is lunging at my puppy. I said, we've already been attacked once today. Can, can you go away? Don't cross the street to come over here to me. And, um, and, and then the dog got up on its hind legs and was growling. And finally he got his dog under control. So twice in one day. So that takes the whole sense of being welcomed in, in my neighborhood and being known in my neighborhood and being included in the neighborhood, even if it's in the gossip, everybody paying attention to what everybody else is doing. But the supported part has been eroded. And that doesn't mean it can't be rebuilt, but it's to be aware of just how things flow. So it's difficult to be connected when the boundary of what's safe and okay with your animal is not honored, right? Even when I verbalize it as the owner. Um, thankfully, everybody is okay. And my dog is fine. And we went for a walk today on all the places where all these little events happened and she didn't show any, any extra stress. So I'm glad. So let's talk about 
how all this works. See, it's just in casual, it's in casual groups, it's in big groups, it's in formal groups, it's in you with one other person. Do you feel secure? Do you feel supported? Are you accepted for who you are without somebody trying to change you? I know one of my clients um, started dating this guy who said, well, you need to cut your hair and we need to get you a boob job and we, you need to dress differently and was trying to completely reconstruct her. Is that acceptance? Is that inclusion? Is that letting you be your authentic self and have an identity within that relationship? And so we ask ourselves those questions. Again, we discern, which means we just look at it and say, how does this land on me? We don't judge it in the sense of good, bad, right, wrong. It's just, does this align with me? Does this fit in my world right now? So here's how you know that you belong someplace. In a relationship with one other person, in a family, in a group, here's how you know. First, there's trust. Now, trust for me means consistency over time. That means that over time, I can tell what you're going to be doing because you're consistent with it. Like most people use the word trust. If I can't trust you, like you have to do the right thing. That is a form of trust. But for me, I see it bigger as in consistency over time. Um, it's like if you are always 10 minutes late to our appointment, then I'm not going to be ready till 10 after after a while because you're never on time, right? Or if um, you only call when you're having a crisis, then I'll know if my phone rings and your name is on it, I need to be ready to listen to a crisis. Now, again, if there's no judgment. It's not good, bad. I want you to really work with just noticing and what can you trust in the relationship? You know, can you trust that your partner snores? I can trust that my dog's going to try to lick my face before we go to bed. I can trust, you know, different things about some of my friends, like they're going to be a certain way and do a certain thing. I can trust certain things about my family because they've been consistent over time. And so... It helps us understand when somebody says, I can't trust somebody. What, or the, what, often what they're really saying is that person doesn't live up to what I want them to. But maybe you can trust them if every time they come home from work, they're already drunk. You can trust that they're going to be drunk when they come home. Now, you might be saying, I can't trust them, which would really mean is you can't trust them to be sober. But you can trust that they're going to show up that same way every day because they have for the last 10 years. So I look at trust a bit differently than some people, but trust being consistency over time is a way you can tell that you belong someplace, that I can trust the relationship, I can trust the group, I can trust the process. Um, there's a foundation that is known and comfortable. It can be expansive and moving. It's not static necessarily, but I can trust it. Then the second thing I um, know about being about having a sense of belonging is a sense of interdependence. And again, this is one of those things that people miss a lot. There's dependence when we're babies. We hit independence when we're teenagers. Mature adults do interdependence, meaning I know what other people have to offer. I know what I have to offer. And we all share our resources emotionally, mentally, intellectually, socially, whatever. And so it's interdependence is a healthy adult. Some people say, I want to be independent. What they're saying is, I want to be a teenager. I want to be an acting out teenager. 
because teenagers, you know, when we were all teenagers, we all know, we knew everything there was to know and no adult knew anything. And then we wake up one day and realize that was goofy. So a wise, healthy adults are interdependent. And so are you interdependent or are you trying to be independent and do everything by yourself? Like I have some people I work with who try to do everything by themselves. Like I'm too strong. I can't accept anything from anybody. Well, that is a, a response to um, a dysregulated, at the very least, life. And that's not going to yield well for a sense of belonging because it pushes people away. So can I let people in? Can I be there for other people and share in their world and ask how they're doing rather than only talking about me? And can there be that exchange? Interdependence is important. It's not independence we're seeking. Interdependence is an adult. Then there's genuineness, authenticity, right? Being genuine and real. And you can tell, you can tell when somebody's not, not being real. Empathy means being, you know, is another part of this is being willing to feel with other people how they feel and honoring that process and honoring others and feeling what they feel to the best of our ability. Now, the truth is no two of us can feel exactly the same about exactly the same thing because we have different biology, neurology, and autobiographies. And we can have empathy. And then a really important part of belonging is being able to take risks within the relationship without the fear of retribution or harm. And that's a big one because many, many people, in fact, that's what sparked me writing that book, The Loneliness Cure, in a workshop or a conference I was doing, actually, I think it was a retreat, but they, um, the number one topic of all 40-something people there was staying in relationships because they're afraid to be lonely or they're alone within the relationship and they're afraid to take the risk to go out on their own or to set boundaries because they're afraid. So when you are unable to take a risk, a healthy risk within a group or a relationship, then that belonging has been eroded somehow, some way. And then the sixth thing that I look at for belonging is being able to feel satisfied and, su and successful and supported in your success and joy and happiness and satisfaction. You know, I've seen a lot of groups where um, certain people are allowed to be successful, like the leaders and things like that. But if you start being successful, then you get attacked. It happened to me when I was in one of um, the programs at one of the uh, schools I was going to school for and years ago, very many years ago that that I started excelling and um, I didn't even realize I would be, but I was, and it was really great. And the message coming out of people's mouth was, we support you, we support you, we support you and go for it, go for it. And then as I got more and more successful, those very same people tried to undermine my success. And you see that everywhere in the world. I'm not the only one that's happened to. And for many of you out there who are visionary and gifted and talented, you will see that where some people will support you, but it's kind of like in their own mind, there's a ceiling for how um, successful you can be and still stay in the group. And it's okay to change groups. It's okay for you to say no to a group. If a group, you know, if you start feeling, first you feel like you're a member of the group and you belong, and then all of a sudden you don't feel like you belong because it's changed. 
or there's a change in you or a change in them or all the above, that's okay. It's okay to keep moving on down your road. It's okay to have all the feelings about it. It's okay. It's all okay. You're not doing anything wrong if the group starts acting goofy. You're not. In fact, I've had it happen where um, I excelled in something and the group started acting wonky. I didn't understand it at the time because we're talking like many, 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 many years ago, but I see it now. So that's why I'm sharing it with you now. So you don't have to go down the same road I did to figure it out. So belonging is important. So a call to arms is a call to community, to connection, to belonging, to dancing and flowing with our life rather than struggling and trying to control the outcome. So by releasing attachment to the outcome and trying to pretend that life is static and always going to be the same, we realize that there's a flow and a movement and that if we have security and support in a situation, in a relationship, in a group, then that sense of inclusion and our identity within that group will support our overall welfare. Because our job is to be, you know, the highest benefit that we can be, right? To be that beneficial presence. And all of this is crucial to our happiness. So if you have like this underlying part of you that's not real happy sometimes, just kind of flat, or maybe even depressed or anxious, I invite you to begin to look at this idea of community and belonging. Many, many people that I start working with When I start asking about where are they connected, who are their people, many of them, not all of them, but many of them look at me like it's a trick question. Like, what do you mean? I've been alone my whole life. I've had to deal with everything alone my whole life. And even if people are around, if they're not supportive and they're not safe, that other person's, you can be alone in a room full of people. So. Take some time and hopefully something I've shared here has um, sparked you or supported you, or maybe you're thinking of a friend or somebody that you should send this podcast episode to or get the Loneliness Cure book. Do something, take an action to feel even more secure, to feel yourself like wrapped in the arms of the beauty of life itself. You know, sometimes I just wrap myself up. knit blessing scarves and I wrap myself up in a shawl or a blanket or something and just feel that that beautiful comfort and remind myself that I belong here on earth. Mm -hmm. And it brings that sense of belonging to that inner part of me. So who are you hugging virtually or personally? And how are you allowing other people to be there for you and hug you? And a hug can be Mental, emotional, spiritual, physical. Like, how are you allowing that connection, security, and support? And then, how are you connecting and safe and supporting others? That, my friends, is your call to arms. I hope this episode of Someone Gets Me has served you. As always, feel free to email me 
or sign up for a discovery call, whatever it is that you would like. And I am here to serve, support, and assist. That's the way it is. <laughs> All right. So remember, friends, to put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you are a rock star. You're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there in the world and allow your beautiful light to shine. Seek safety, security, and support and be that support for others. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Are you tired of searching for someone to understand you? Join our Facebook group, Someone Gets Me. In this group, you will be able to connect with others who are intense, sensitive, smart, and talented. I share my insights and teachings, and you can connect with others in a real, authentic, safe forum. So join us today. Someone gets me.